0: Father, we've not just uh, sung songs right now. We've declared truths, Lord. These many of these are just lines straight out of the Bible, out of Your words. And God, we just declare them. Not they're not in a, in a vacuum. They're for us, Lord. Some of us this morning are going to feel weak. We need comfort, God. Some of these lines, Lord, we just we claim them this morning. We say, Lord, they're they're for us. That when we wait on You, we will renew our strength. And so, Lord, we we haven't just sung them because it's a nice tune and we want to sing songs. We want to declare these truths because we need this as well. This is what you've declared that you're like. You are a faithful God. You are a God who, when we need you, God, when we wait on you, you strengthen us. And God, when we need that comfort, you bring that, Lord, because that's the kind of God you are. So, God, we just declare that you are our God today. We want to speak out that we want to receive these things as we've sung them out. They've not just gone out into the ether, out into the air. But God, we sing them over our lives. We sing them back to ourselves as well. And Father, we say today that we're your people and you are our God. And Lord, if there's anyone this morning that perhaps can't say that, they're just not sure about even whether you exist. God, I really pray that even before before they go back this morning home, God, I pray that they just be caused to think a little bit more that you might exist. And that actually, if you did, that's the greatest news that we could ever give our lives to discovering. So Lord, help us, I pray. God, I thank you that, God, as we worship you just for a few minutes, that believe that you've been thrilled by that. And God, I I just really pray that we will have been opened by that as well to all that you want to say to us through your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you take your seats guys. We're going to come back and sing uh, again in in a few moments. We're just going to kind of do it slightly differently this morning. Um, If you're new to us and you've not been here the last few weeks, you're really welcome. You can catch up with what we're talking about on the podcast that are on, on our website. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about these two questions. How far are you willing to go and what are you willing to do? And in the context of all this extreme sports gear that's about, people will go to all kinds of lengths just for kicks, just for adrenaline rushes. People will do all kinds of crazy things for love and for sport and for money and for all this stuff. But when it comes to our relationship with God, how extreme are we prepared to go? How far are we willing to go? What are we willing to do? So in week one, we looked at this question, are we willing, like Jacob in the Old Testament, to wrestle with God over really important issues such as relationship breakdowns, such as our character becoming more like Christ, such as our future? Are we willing to wrestle with God like Jacob who said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me? It's quite extreme. He says, I'm not just going to have a little wrestle. I'm not going to let you go, God, until you bless me. So that's what we looked at two weeks ago. Then last week, we looked at this question. Are are you willing to pray dangerous prayers? Anybody prayed any of these dangerous prayers this week? Okay, just this section here then. Nobody down there at all. Okay, some sheepish hands going up. But basically, I was trying to suggest that when you see somebody or you hear about someone with really inspiring faith, the difference between us and those people is the prayers they pray. You see, those people are normal people. They're not superhumans. Their pants aren't on the outside, as we said last week. They're normal people who pray dangerous prayers and God takes them at their word and all of a sudden, faith that's inspiring is built. But is that it? If we just wrestle with God and pray, is that it? Well, actually, it's not it. Okay? Because I'm speaking this morning on the series, so it's not it. And when I was out on my bicycle this week, if I say bike, some of you are going to think Harley Davidson, it's really not. I'm on my bicycle this week. Uh, God spoke to me, as he often does when I'm cycling, um, when I can breathe, that is, um, which is often not. Uh, and he spoke to me from an old hymn, which I remember hearing when I was a kid, and some of you will know it, so we'll try it with you, okay? Trust and obey for this. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> fantastic that's amazing young people are like I haven't got a clue what that was that was really weird but it was that old hymn and it was that phrase trust and obey trust and obey and then i got this phrase going wrestle pray trust and obey kind of wanted to wrap it but I'm not going to do that so that'd be embarrassing wrestle and pray trust and obey you know God says in the Bible that there's one thing particularly that really pleases God you know what that is Faith. Without faith it is impossible to please God is what it says in the Bible. And I want to suggest to you that faith that pleases God is not the extreme thing that you do once in a while when you get an adrenaline rush or when the vibe feels it but a life that pleases God with faith is a life that wrestles with God over the important things that prays dangerous prayers and then trusts Him and obeys Him. And it's not a bad description of what faith is. To wrestle with God, to pray dangerous prayers, to trust and to obey. And what I want to talk about this morning, uh, mostly, is about the whole issue of trust. There are two scenarios of life where trust in God is really difficult. One is when you are forced to wait. How many of you like being forced to wait? nobody right it's just like nobody likes doing it do they it's just a horrible thing some of us like myself are naturally awful at waiting very impatient some people are better at it than me I grant that but most of us don't like it when we're forced to wait I I know people who are coming up to traffic jams will just veer off the road and go all kinds of other directions because they're stuck in that traffic jam for miles rather than get stuck in the traffic jam is any of you like that you weird people, weird people. But, but you just don't like the idea of being forced to wait. And what about when you're waiting for something that you sense God has promised you? That's difficult. What about when you're waiting for what you desire with all your heart? So, so you want to be married and you think that's a godly desire, and it is. And you feel that you're waiting and waiting and waiting. That's really hard to trust God when you're waiting. And what about when you're waiting for the tough time to pass so that the better time will come? You know that spring follows winter, but winter feels like it goes on forever. It can be really difficult to trust God when you're waiting. But there's another scenario in life where it can also be really difficult to trust God. And I'm trying to describe this. There's a phrase that people use. And if I was to go like this, what do you think the phrase might be? Back against the wall. Thank you, Roger. The nine o'clock, were awful at it, mate. It was like 10 minutes of me trying to act it out before they finally got it. It's my amazing acting ability. Uh, that, in, When your back is against the wall, that's a f- that we know. How easy is it to trust God when our back is against the wall? And some of you this morning, you're here and your back is against the wall. And as I talk this morning, you're going to say, do you know what? This is, like, this is like me. This is totally me. Some of you, your back is against the wall vocationally. In other words, your job. Tough economic times right now. Some of you have lost your job. You can't get a job at the moment. You're in a tough job where you think, I'm about to lose it. Or you're just in a job which is so demanding and pressurizing and you feel that your back is against the wall. And you're, you've been expected to trust God when your back is against the wall. Some of you, it's financially, maybe linked to the job. It may not. Financially, there can be all kinds of reasons why your back is against the wall. You don't know where to turn, you feel pressed and pressured. And you're you expected to trust God, but your back is against the wall. For some of you, it's relationally. Maybe in marriage, in friendships, in family. Perhaps you've got um, elderly parents that you're trying to cope with and care for. And, or you've got kids who are a little bit astray right now. And relationally, you feel that your back is against the wall. Some of you, it's medically. The doctor's given you some really bad news. And you don't know where to turn. And you feel that your back is against the wall. Some of you, it may be spiritually Perhaps as a result of all of those things, or one of those things, and you feel spiritually your back is against the wall. When your back is against the wall, what you really believe begins to surface. What you really believe about God and about life begins to surface when your back is against the wall. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Exodus chapter 14? And. um, this is a, quite a well-known story, I think even if you've not been used to church, you may have heard this story somewhere out there and I'll tell it you anyway in a moment. But what I want to talk about is in Exodus 14, a very well-known story in the Old Testament um, about a, that paints us quite a dramatic scenario, but you could use this scenario to describe many of our lives when we feel like our back is against the wall and as I talk into this I want to say that this is not all original material to me I want to credit this where credit's due I was listening a few months ago to a teaching series from Willow Creek and Bill Hybels a senior pastor there spoke this and shared and I thought it was genius and I thought one day I'm going to communicate that to our people and I can't say it any better than him so I'm going to use his framework then add some of my own thoughts and ideas but it's basically his framework and I want to credit that to him because it's just great stuff but in Exodus 14 you see Moses who's leading the children of Israel out of Egypt around two million or so and they're out into freedom Pharaoh has let them go it's all good then they come up to the Red Sea they've got the Red Sea in front of them they've got mountains to the side they've got desert to the side then all of a sudden they hear behind them the sound of chariots coming Pharaoh's changed his mind and he wants them back so they've got a sea in front of them, mountains to the side of them, desert to the side of them, and an army pursuing them. Their backs are against the wall. Would you say that's right? They don't know what to do. And it's just amazing at what happens. What, how do the people react when their backs are against the wall? We'll look at verse 10, Exodus 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? (laughs) Let us serve the Egyptians. They didn't say that, by the way. But that's what happens, and I'll show you that in a minute. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert." When their back was against the wall, there was a process that they went through. And this process is the same process that many of us go through when our backs are against the wall. And I want to show it to you on the flip charts. Basically, they went through three stages. Firstly, they were scared. Secondly, they got sarcastic. And thirdly, they then began to, to think through in their mind a whole range of worst case scenarios. Call them WC scenarios, because they were all basically down the toilet, wasn't it? Whatever's going to happen here, do you know what I mean? It's not going to be good. And that process, I want to suggest to you, is what happens to many of us when our backs are against the wall. Am I right? We get scared. We then start getting sarcastic and we start lashing out at other people and blaming other people. Because we're scared and then in our mind we turn over like, you know, one of those chickens in those grill things, you know, that you see. We turn over the worst case scenarios. How bad could this get? Actually, no, I think I can find a, a, better, a worse one. It could even get that bad. And that's exactly what we do. Now, some preachers will say, and if any of you ever are like that, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And you're so sinful. You're not going to hear that from me. You're not going to hear it from me for two reasons. Number one, it won't help you. If you're already like this, it ain't going to help you to hear me telling you how sinful and shameful you ought to be. And you are. But do you know the second reason why you're not going to hear that from me is because I do that. I do that. In my life, there's been loads of times when I, something's happened and I've, I've got scared and I haven't been able to get a grip of that and all of a sudden I start lashing out and then in my mind I'm playing over all the worst case scenarios. Does anyone else identify or is it just me? And that's what happens. So you're not going to hear from me this morning any sense of you ought to do that because I totally understand that's what happens. But it's understandable but it's totally unproductive. It's totally unprotected. It's understandable that when our backs are against the wall, that's how we think, but it doesn't help us one iota, does it? Let, let Let me show you. Do you make better decisions when you're in a state of terror? No, you really don't. Does anything improve when you become sarcastic and cynical and start blaming other people? But that's what we do, isn't it? Like, we get that it doesn't make anything any better, but we do it anyway. And so this is what they said in verse 11 and 12. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to They're being sarcastic. What have you done to us by bringing us? Didn't we say to you, leave us alone? They're, They're lashing out. They're blaming others and Moses and it doesn't help. The sea is still there. The mountains are still there. The desert's still there. The Egyptians are still there. Nothing's changed because they were sarcastic. Now, When you imagine the worst case scenarios, does that help you? Does that really help you to go over in your head how bad this could be? It doesn't. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? He's not saying, listen, he's identifying that you're going to worry. We understand that. But but it just doesn't help. It doesn't help. And then Moses steps in and he says, you know what, guys, we need another plan. Because this ain't working. (laughs) This one, being scared and sarcastic and imagining worse, that is not working. We need another plan. And this is his other plan. He basically says, don't fear, stand firm. And then what he kind of says is, expect God. It's a better plan, isn't it? Anyone want to? Yeah, it's a better plan, isn't it? He's basically saying, and you can see it there, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Don't fear. Fear not. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Now, here's, here's the challenge. I've already said to you that I'm prone to be here, okay? And for me, sometimes big issues in life, I, I, I'm, I, I, can, I can go there. It's the small thing Sometimes. Which can really bring me down. So I know that I'm prone to be here. Now here's the thing. How do I get from here to here? And that's what I want to look at with you this morning. This is really important. If we're going to trust and obey God. If we're going to trust God when we're waiting or when our back is against the wall. We have to learn what it is to get from that plan to that plan. How many of you want to go on that journey with us? Yeah? Want to get on that plan. So the first thing is don't fear. Is it actually possible to not fear? Well the Bible says that we can take every thought captive. It's so like when we get a fearful thought in our mind, we can take it captive, we can wrestle it down. It's really hard, but it is possible to do it. People do it professionally. Pilots do it. Surgeons do it, don't they? They're trained to do it that in a certain moment they're going to take that thought captive and professionally they're going to do it. Many of you do it in your jobs. You are able to do it. Might be difficult, but you are able to do it. People do it in sport for all kinds of reasons. Now I'm not saying, all right, I'm not saying, let me get this right, that if you believe it, it will happen. Just positive thinking. Right, let me use me as an example, cycling. I've started cycling a little bit, okay, a little bit. Imagine if I go up to Sir Chris Hoy, and there is a clue in the sir there of how good he is, and I say, do you know what, I can take you in the velodrome. I've basically been cycling for 18 months and John Robinson has taken me out so I mean that's the level that we're talking about here and and I'm ready because I think it, I'm believing it Chris in the velodrome, me and you get it on what's going to (laughs) happen? just imagine what might happen you see the power of positive thinking and believing it is not enough Because I haven't got the experience, the training, the diet, the skill, all of the gift, all of that stuff. But in the head, it is massively important. But I'm not saying that if you believe it, it will happen. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's something much deeper than that. Okay, so we must be careful. But it is possible to take these thoughts captive. That when you fear, to take a hold of it and say, you know what, I am not going to fear. Because God says, don't fear. I'm going to take this thought and I'm going to wrestle it down and take it captive it's not easy but it's possible how about stand firm (laughs) stand firm you know Paul says in Ephesians 6 and after you've done everything to stand stand firm then and it's like you've done everything to stand stand firm uh, a few weeks ago, we had a men's breakfast here and Mark Greenwood, who many of you will know, he's here on Tuesday night, again doing the boot camp. He spoke great at, at the breakfast, brilliant communication. And at the end, he said, he get, used the analogy of the, of the tug of war. You know, when you get yourself ready to stand with a tug of war and then you stand. So you get yourself ready, but then you dig your feet in and you stand. And I want to say to some of you wh- whose back is against the wall, don't fear, stand firm. Stand firm. In your faith, you know, one of the songs that I love, and I don't love it because it's a particularly great song. I love it because of what it means to us as a community of people. Is that little chorus that says, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. And I I love it because we started learning that song just before one of the girls in our church called Emma, you remember Emma, contracted cancer. She had a young kid, and you remember the story of how she came back to God and how many people were baptized and came to faith through her life. And we passionately believed that she was going to get healed and went on a whole journey over two years with her. In the end, she wasn't healed physically and she died at 28. But I remember how important that song was to us because I can remember at the funeral this place being absolutely packed with virtually every arm in the air when we sang that song. And we were hurting, weren't we? We were hurting. And we were confused and we didn't understand, but we were standing firm. And we were standing firm. And so I want to say to you, if your back is against the wall, don't fear. Stand firm. And then thirdly, expect God to intervene. Expect God to intervene. When your back is against the wall, your theology is exposed. You see, either, you're going to either have two theologies really deep down. You're either going to say, I'm finished, God doesn't care about me, or God isn't good anyway. Or you're going to say, well at least I have God. At least I have God, and God is faithful, and God will intervene at some point in some way. And I'm realising now, at this stage of my life, as I'm trying to deal with people, that there basically are two kinds of believers There are a whole load of believers who when bad things happen to them, what happens is they make a choice and they go that way. And they say, do you know what? Why did God allow this to happen? Look at the state of my family. Look at my job. Look at this. I don't think God's good anyway. And they go that way. There are other people who also go through bad experiences just the same. And they say, this has happened to me. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But you know what? At least I've got God. And they go that way. Am I right? And you may be someone, and you're here today and you're saying, but this is what my life's like, and my back is against the wall, and you're almost on the cusp of saying, God couldn't be good anyway, and you're going to go that way. I want to say to you, God is good. If you don't fear, stand firm and expect God to intervene. And I just, for me, God tends to wait for our declaration of faith before he steps in. Have you noticed that? And it was when Moses stretched the rod out and, dec- and, 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 and did what he felt God was telling him to do, that God then opened the way and they walked through it miraculously. And imagine what that did for them on their corporate faith journey as they walked through the Red Sea. Imagine what it did for them individually. And every day, folks, you and I are writing our faith story. Do you know that? The thing is, you have the choice about whether the pen is a fear-based pen or a faith-based pen. That choice is completely down to you. Whether you're going to say, well, look at my life. My back's against the wall. This is it. And I'm going to get scared and sarcastic and withdraw and lash out. And imagine the worst case scenarios. Or you're going to say, do you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to not fear. I'm going to stand firm. And I'm going to expect God to intervene. I don't know how long it will be or when it will be or what it will look like. But it will be. God will intervene because God is good and because God is faithful. I'm going to ask the band to come back. What we're going to do right now is, you know, it'd be very easy for me now at this point to say, okay, if your back's against the wall, we want to gather around you and pray for you and comfort you and all of that, and all of that's important, all of that's important. But please please just listen to me for one minute, this is so important now. But I'm not going to do that, I'm going to call you to something bigger than that. If you right now, and your back is against the wall, and it may be in any kind of, Uh, part of your life maybe vocationally maybe relationally or medically or spiritually financially in any way I'm going to call you to abandon this plan and to say do you know what that ain't helping me I'm going to call you to abandon that plan and to say God I want to choose to step into this plan it's not going to be easy I'm going to slip back but do you know what with your help with your help God by your Holy Spirit I'm going to not fear, I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to expect God to intervene. So why don't we close our eyes for a moment. And if that's you this morning and you want to say, yep, that's me, my back's against the wall, but I'm choosing to abandon that plan that is unproductive and I'm going to step into this plan and I want you to stand with me right now. You don't all have to stand. Some of you are already there. Your back's not against the wall anyway. Fantastic. Enjoy it. You're already in that plan. That's absolutely great. Don't feel under any pressure. But if you know that you have a propensity to go there and you're saying, God, I ain't going there anymore. Please, Lord, help me. Then you respond to him. And I want to pray over you this morning. Father, I want to thank you for every person who's responding to you right now. God, I pray that this could be the start of just a new way of thinking and a new way of living that as we wrestle and pray we then begin to trust and obey you even when life is difficult even when our back is against the wall God I pray for that whole kind of rotisserie grill thing that goes on in our head of worst case scenarios Lord would you stop that I pray would you help us to take the thoughts captive help us to not fear help us to stand firm And help us to expect you to intervene, I pray. And God, I pray that there'll be great faith stories coming out of this community of people in the months and the days and the years to come. Because we didn't give in to the understandable tendency to go down that other route, but we chose a different plan. We chose to step into your plan. And Father, you then did amazing things. God, I pray that we would write a faith-based story with that pen that you've given us and that we would apply that in our lives in Jesus' name. Why don't we all stand together? We're going to sing a song that just declares you know, that that life sometimes does feel like it's a battleground and the song talks about scars and struggles but it then begins to declare that never once did God leave us on our own and God is faithful. Amen? And we know that, many of us know that because we've experienced it But that doesn't mean that when you go to a new challenge, you don't need to pull back on that faithfulness. Because it's right, isn't it? The amount of times I've thought, but God has been faithful, but will he be now? And you need to remind yourself that God was. And he wasn't faithful because he does faithful things. God is faithful because he is faithful. See, that's the difference. You can do faithful things, but God's nature is faithfulness. So that's the God that he is. So let's worship and declare how great our God is. There's a few other things that I want to share with you before our time is done. We declare that together in this company of people. God, I pray that when we're on our own and our back is against the wall and Lord, nothing will have changed in our situation because of this morning. But God, I pray that something will have changed in our response. Our situation may be exactly the same as it was yesterday. But God, may we be different. And may we not fear. May we stand firm and expect you to intervene. We want to trust you in Jesus' name. Why don't you take your seats for a moment. Just want to say a few other things and then we're going to worship again and and pray actually as we as we finish uh, this series together and um the whole thing about trust is one issue but what about obeying and the obey part is where kind of God said to me well it's the verse it's it's the Hosea verse if you can put it up Merlin please it's that verse that God gave us right at the start of the year this is what but but not that we do it like in an extreme way you know when we're all stirred up and all emotionally you know revved up but we live like this we sow righteousness that's what it says reap the fruit of unfailing love break up your unplowed ground it is time to seek the Lord until he comes it's kind of like a description of how we should live our lives and I want to say people who trust and obey they live this out they don't just do it in an extreme once every so often way they live it out And so that means let me say four things they sow really well they sow really well. They understand that their life is actually, that, that when you become a Christian, you don't enlist God to your cause, you surrender to His. Salvation is not something for you to revel in. It's something that God can reveal Himself through you to the world. So we understand that wherever God has placed us in life, you're there, you know, job-wise, you're not just there to pick up the check. You know that, don't you? You're there so that God can reveal Himself through you. So that you can sow the nature and the the gospel of God into that that arena. And, and And we understand that. People who sow well, they understand that's what their life's about. And so when bad stuff happens, it's not just why me, God, but God, what could you do out of this? Because we understand that we haven't enlisted God to our cause. We've surrendered to His. They invest in their own spiritual growth and well-being. You know, if you're a new Christian this morning and you struggle, and, and you start to, to kind of think I'm not quite sure about this God you're going to get us really after you because we care for you so much and because it's really fragile when you've just become a Christian but if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time your responsibility is to look after your spiritual growth we ain't going to keep chasing you down because to be honest with you if you're a mature Christian you ought to be feeding yourself now Do that with love and compassion, okay? You really should be. We should invest in our own spiritual life. People who sow well invest in the kingdom. Time, talents and treasures. You know, we, Alison and myself, we give financially to God through this church. We always have done that since we started earning. We do it not out of any, just a sense of being obedient to God and sowing. We don't give when we feel like it. We give intentionally because we want to sow really well into the kingdom through the vision of this local church. It's just a great thing to do. We invest in the lives of others. They sow really well. People who obey God sow really well. Secondly, people who obey God love really well. So it says, reap the fruit of unfailing love. Love well. That means we choose love as the highest value. We don't look for friends. You know, we look to be a friend. We don't look for someone to love us. We look for how we can be loving. We don't ask, oh, I wish this church was more loving. We say, how can I help make this church more loving? Do you understand? That's what we do. We love well. We don't just receive, but we actually give. They examine well. Break up your unplowed ground. I think people that, 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 that obey God really, really well not just extreme but as a lifestyle are people who regularly pray the search me and the break me prayer that we looked at last week that regularly say God why is this thing in me I want it out do you know what I mean come on God deal with me because I want to keep growing we Alison and myself were talking over the weekend and just you know just talking about something in our own lives and we think oh can we not get a hold of this together do you know what I mean now we've been Christians so long because we, we want to be more like God don't you? but if you do that you've got to pray search me break me prayers often we refuse to live in yesterday tomorrow we live in today can you pass me the mic and finally and finally they pursue well you know they pursue God well it's time to seek the Lord until he comes we don't give up we don't bail out we don't slip back don't give up we don't bail out we don't slip back we live lives of faith that wrestle and pray and trust and obey. And, and not to get an adrenaline rush, not once in a while, but consistently we live those kind of lives. Now, let me tell you, I don't live that kind of life all the time, but I want to. That's my goal. And so I'm not saying to you, oh, if, if you don't kind of live that kind of life, then somehow you missed it. I'm saying, is that your goal? Is that your heart? Is that what you want to do? Because if it is, then I think that really, really pleases God. And what we're going to do in the final time that we've got this morning is that we're going to pray this verse out to God through worship. And I'm kind of quite excited about this. That the worship leaders, some of us, have, we've been getting together over the last few weeks. And we've been having meals together and talking and worshipping God together. And out of that, we've written a song. And uh, we want to share that song with you this morning. Not to say, oh, look, this is a song that we've written. It's not about that at all. But it's taken out of what God is doing with us as a community at the moment. So it's based on that verse but it also hooks in that really important phrase for us which is 30 years ago when the church was first born there was a prophetic word given to this church is that your fruit would overhang the walls and that's through this song as well. So I'm going to ask the guys and it's great that we've got some of the worship leaders together leading together because it's not about ego it's about relationship and team and they're going to teach you this song hopefully you'll then join in with it and then we'll use this song as a prayer to say God would you come by your spirit and would you do it through us so that every seed that's sown in our lives will blossom, so that the fruit that you're producing in our lives would overhang the walls, that you'd help us to break up our unplowed ground because, Lord, we really need you. We ain't going to be able to do it without him. Just um, as, we, as we close, I'm going to pray in a minute, but just to, there's a sense there that someone might feel that God may be speaking. Uh, to somebody here uh, about the need for you to take a firm stand for the first time that there's something going on in your life where you need to take a stand for the first time over something so I'm going to pray and if that's you then how it works you just think is that me Uh, and really all of us should ask that that's how these things work we say Lord is that me search me God is that me and if you sense God speaking and you know what it is that that's the area, then you know that God has spoken to you through that word and you can take that and you can apply that to your life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do speak. Thank you that you do speak to us individually and corporately. Often in this corporate setting, you can zone in, zero in on us and individually speak. And Lord, if there's anyone here and that word resonates with them and they think, yeah, that's me. This is the first time I need to take a firm stand over this issue. God, I pray that they would receive that and they would take that stand and they'll grow. Their faith will grow because of obedience. So Lord, help us, I pray. And now I want to pray over all of you this morning and just pray this blessing to Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen.